Uh, there's some instructions to get on the Bible app uh, there. I'm going to go straight into the scriptures this morning. Scriptures, of course, will be up on the screen as well. And three, two, one, here we go. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they, being the disciples, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to, and to the prayers. Then fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. Acts 4.32 Now the large group of those who believed were of one heart and mind. And no one said that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common. And the apostles were giving testimony with great power to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon all of them. For there was not a needy person among them, because all of those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was, uh, this was then distributed for each person's basic needs. Joseph, a Levite and a Cypriot by birth, the one, uh, the one the apostles called Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement, sold the field he owed, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Paul got us going with this series, Braveheart, last week uh, in an excellent way, teaching us about the birth of a mission and that uh, the, 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 the spirit that came on the disciples when the mission was birthed. And um, uh, Jesus said that you're going to wait here, uh, as, Paul, as, as Paul said, had this great free game speech and said, don't do anything yet. Right? Imagine that. Imagine a coach you know, in the locker room getting them all jazzed up and getting them all excited and then said, just wait here. You'll know when to do something. Now? Do I do it now? Do I do it now? It, it was 10 days between Jesus saying this and that the Holy Spirit was going to come and, and when the Holy Spirit actually did. 10 whole days. Thankfully, this one thing they did get right. They devoted themselves to prayer. But I wonder, I wonder if any point in time in those 10 days where they like, now, I'm, I'm feeling something. Now, 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 and then, nope, it was just the, the chalupa that Peter ate, right? Like, they're just, they're just, they're just waiting, waiting, waiting. Is it now? Is it now? Is it now? And then, boom, the Holy Spirit came down. And the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And maybe you're freaked out by that phrase, all right? Maybe you're freaked out by that phrase, which I understand, because maybe you get the, kind of the idea of, like, TV preacher when that, when that phrase comes is said and the baptizing the holy spirit where weird things start happening and all that all jesus is saying baptized just means immersed and the holy spirit is god and so really all all jesus is saying is that you will be immersed with god isn't that a cool thought that god is willing to immerse us with himself isn't it an awesome thought crazy thought we also should be like why would he ever do that with me and that is the prerequisite for going on mission. Last series, and you can go find this in, in, our, in, our, in, our, in our app, the CPF app. Last series, and listen to all, all this series. Last series, we saw God's vision for the church. And God's vision for the church, quite simply, is to be a people 
with the door open to those far from Jesus. To be a people, the church isn't a building. We are to be a people with the door open to those far from Jesus. That's God's vision for the church. But a vision without action is only a dream. Only a dream. The mission, the mission is a vision with flesh on. The mission is vision with flesh on. The mission is vision with its sleeves rolled up and hands dirty, getting them grimy in order to work out the vision of God for us. So the first cry, the first cry is that the Holy Spirit immerses us with himself and that we're devoted to prayer. And I encourage you, just like Paul encouraged you last week, to devote yourselves to prayer for this church and for you and the kingdom of God in your life and in you getting the kingdom of God in other people's lives, the kingdom of God being in this church and the kingdom of God being spread among the nations. Be devoted to prayer for all of that. And a church devoted to prayer for those things, man, unstoppable, absolutely unstoppable. But when we go on mission, mission has to be together. Mission has to be together. It has to be. We have to do it together. Or else it's not going to work. As Paul said multiple times last week, football season just started, pro football season just started, and the teams that win the championships aren't always the best teams. They're the teams, they're the people that are the most together. The most together. So how do we, as a group of people, build ourselves stronger? We see the secret in the two passages that we, that we just read. We see the secret in the two passages that we just read. How do we build ourselves stronger? First of all, first of all, that we all have the mentality that everyone succeeds. That we want everyone to succeed. We can have a couple of mentalities when we come to church. And this first mentality is seen all across church. We actually treat church more like a retail store than a church. The church is what puts on programs or products for Christians. We have that mentality. So therefore, we're at a church and we consume these products. We, we codename them ministries to make us feel more spiritual, but they're products. We, we provide these products and we go to a church and, and consume these products until that church, its products doesn't please me anymore and then I go church shopping again. That's one way to look at church. Not the biblical way, but that's one way to look at church. Or, or, the church is where everybody looks at everybody else and says, I want to have you succeed. Succeed in what? Life. Spiritually? Vocationally? Financially? Emotionally? Mentally? Look, look, what's better? You looking out for you when you come to church? Or 70, 80, 90, 100 people looking out for you when you come to church? Which one's better? When you walk through these doors, you have one or two mentalities. Which one's better? You looking out for you? Or you looking out for everybody else and everybody else looking out for you? Which one's better? See, here's, 
Here's what the Bible says about the first Christians. Think about this. Think about this. The story that Paul went through last week. 3,000 people got saved and baptized in one day. Okay? There is about... Jesus appeared to 500 people after he resurrected. But really, there's about 140 that followed Jesus everywhere. If everybody showed up to Crosspoint in a given week, we're talking about 110, 120 people. So not less, but not that much different. Not that much different than that 140 figure, right? Imagine this. Imagine this. Imagine if next week at Crosspoint, 3,000 people got saved and baptized. Be like, yeah, awesome. But now let's have another thought. Let's think about this logistically. We ain't having church here, first of all. Right? How many, how many people can you get in your lap, PA? Two daughters, right? You're like, I got one knee for you, and that's it. Like, yeah, yeah, right? We'll probably rent a tent and put it out, you know. How do you baptize 3,000 people? You ever thought about that? Yeah, fire truck. That's sprinkling, bro. Like, easy, easy. (laughs) Right? How do you grow 3,000 people? How do you connect with 3,000 people? When you're 140, how do you then do this? And they had no denomination. They had no church conferences. They had no seminaries. They had none of this. Look, 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 you ever thought about this? They had no New Testament. They are the New Testament, right? They are living it out and then they write about it later. They didn't even have the New Testament. They didn't see this in the Old Testament to be able to go, oh, this is what you do. They only had the Holy Spirit. That's it. That's it. Peter was a businessman and his, his, other, his brother and his two, two other business partners, they were businessmen, so they knew a little bit about how to grow a business. Matthew was a tax collector, so he had a little bit of shrewdness and wisdom about him. Now used for the kingdom. And so they figured this out, them and the Holy Spirit, they figured out how to logistically do this. And what they did was they did this together. They figured out how to do this together. And this is one thing they got, got right. They held everything in common. Now when we read that, we think now, uh, actually there's two ways to think about common, right? There's two, two connotations of common. One is we find something in common, right? We find a sameness or a likeness in common. And that's usually how we read they all had everything in common. Think, saying that they all have the same mindset, but that, that was impossible. Some of them worked in government. Some of them were uh, 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 oppressed by the government. Some of them were slaveholders. Some of them were slaves. Some of them were men. Some of them were women. Some of them were rich. Some of them were poor. They were from all opposite ends of the spectrum. So they had in their mind different things about life. But this one thing that they had together, they believed in Jesus, he was awesome, he died and resurrected, and other people needed to know this as well. But in common here doesn't mean something that we have alike. We also have a connotation of common as commoner, right? Which means, eh, nothing special about them, right? 
So when, they, when it says they sold their possessions because they held everything in common, what literally it means is they viewed their possessions as unholy. They viewed their possessions as unholy. Now, this time of year, I love this time of year. Why? One simple fact. Candy corn. This stuff is holy. I, I, like the boys, I get candy corn. Nicole doesn't send me to Walmart alone this time of year because of this stuff. Candy corn. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, Nicole. You put your hand up there. Yeah. GA, you like you like you some candy corn? Yeah, there we go. Candy corn. Like the boys are like, I want some candy corn. I'm like, here you go, kid. There you go. There's your candy corn. More? No. This stuff's holy. This stuff's holy. All right? All right? This stuff's great. Like, I'm stingy. When the disciples had everything in common, they said, I view none of my possessions as holy. If somebody needs something, I'm going to sell a piece of land that I have that I don't need and give the possessions away so that you can eat. You can eat. So in order for the youth to have money to go um, on trips and stuff, somebody said, half a cow, unholy. I'll donate it. Many of you give generously to this church and you're saying, my money, unholy. I give so that this can live. We'll talk more about church finances after the first of the year in this, in this year-long deal. But unholy. Refrigerator rights. You know, when somebody comes in your house and like, you're just like, dude, whatever. Go to my fridge. Unholy, right? You're viewing your possessions as unholy. There's nothing special. Unlike my candy corn. Pray for me. I can not be quite so stingy with candy corn. But that's what this means. Is that they wanted everyone to succeed. And so much so that they viewed their possessions as unholy. And they viewed their time as unholy. They met daily in the temple, which meant that they met in a big group like this. And then they went house to house sharing meals and teaching each other and praying with each other. Small groups. They viewed their time as, un, as unholy. And some churches are like, we want to get back to a New Testament church. Oh, so you meet every day, huh? Your small group meets every day? <laughs> well, maybe not that much. Some things are prescriptive and some things are descriptive, right? Prescriptive is they met day by day. Eh, that doesn't mean that we have to. What's the thought process behind it? They wanted everyone to succeed. The apostles wanted everyone to succeed spiritually. So what did they do? They taught them. They taught them. We want everyone to succeed. That will build us stronger. Secondly, second of all, kind of the, opposite, the back side of the same coin is this. We leverage others. Now it's real easy for us to think, Man, I want you to succeed. I want to show up and I want to leverage myself. Uh, and another thing I didn't talk about was my gifts and talents. You know, leveraging your gifts and talents for others to succeed. Uh, discipling kids, 
running sound, music, over, uh, hospitality, uh, uh, connection, all of that. And, but, but, but that's easy for us to think of. But this is a little bit more difficult because we as Americans, we're individual and we want to raise ourselves up by the bootstraps. And so we don't want to ask for help. And we won't, don't want to admit that we need help. And we don't want to admit that we don't have the answers to everything. We don't want to admit that we can't do everything. And in America, quite frankly, a lot of times we expect the pastor to do everything, right? Not at Crosspoint. I'm so thankful for Crosspoint. When I'm hanging around other pastors, I'm just like, wow. But I fall into the same mindset. I'll, say, I'll just do it myself. I don't want to leverage others. I'm highly, highly independent. I don't want to leverage others. But when we're able to leverage others and ask for help, we're stronger together than we are individually. We can't do it all ourselves. We don't, we, we, each of us do not have all the gifts. None of us have all the gifts. None of us have all the resources we need. None of us have the finances we need. None of us have the time that we need. None of us have the spirituality that we need or the righteousness that we need. So we have to leverage others. We have to come to the table and go, I need help. It's vital. And when we do that, we build each other stronger. Man, the first church, that was their ethos. They came and said, we need help. We need help. We need it. But that leads to our last thing, to build us stronger. Be real. Be real. Now, I really wanted a better phrase there because be real, be authentic, don't be fake. It's kind of, all, all of that has kind of um, just became cliche in our, in our culture. But I, didn't, I, I couldn't come up with a better phrase there. Be real. And here's what I mean by this. The final thing that we read about was a story about Barnabas who had an extra field. Okay, had an extra field. He sold it and gave all the proceeds to the church in order to distribute the, 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 to, to those who were in need. And people were like, wow, that's amazing. Praise God, blah, 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 right? Like, wow, yeah, right? So the next chapter, the very next story is a couple, Ananias and Sapphira, who saw the praise that Barnabas got for selling his field and giving all the proceeds uh, to the church. And they wanted a little bit of that glory for themselves. So they sold a field, said that they're giving it all, but kept back a little bit. They lied. They weren't authentic. They were, they were fake. Why? Because really, okay, say they sold the field for $1,000, right? And they needed 250 of it for taxes or whatever. Nobody would have faulted them for saying, I, I, I needed 700, or I needed 250, here's 750 for the church. Nobody would have faulted them for that. But doesn't there, isn't there just a little bit extra praise for saying, I sold it for 750 and here's 750? Isn't there a little bit extra praise in that, right? That's what they did. That's what they did. Peter called them out on it. God, not Peter, God struck them dead right there. Now, church discipline is a different story or a different sermon. <laughs> and God had to flex his muscles a little bit early on in order to kind of set the culture. 
But the moral of the story is this. They were fake. They were fake. For a church to grow stronger, we've got to show up. If we're hurting, we say we're hurting. If we're having trouble in an area with sin, we admit it instead of being like, look, I'm awesome, I'm moral, I'm all this, and a bag of chips, and my poop don't stink. Because we all know it's Febreze, all right? We all know it. We all know it. Because we can smell both and it's worse. Yeah, just say. We're real about our finances. We're authentic about our emotional state. And how our family is. Instead of showing up and being all together. See, the churches should be the one place that we don't have to have it all together, right? That we have grace for each other because life is tough. And none of us can be righteous on our own. We've got to have the Spirit. None of us can accomplish this mission on our own. We've got to have the Spirit and each other. And so we can be real about that. Now, I know you've got to pick your time. You know, I'm not going to ask anybody, PA, why don't you come up and explain to me how you sinned this week, all right? There's a time, right? There's a time. But we've got to be real. And when we are... Doesn't our respect for each other grow? Don't we grow stronger together when we're like that? In order to want everybody to succeed, in order to leverage each other, and in order to, to be real, we have to be this one thing that the Bible keeps talking about in this section. Be devoted. Be devoted to each other. For this to work, we have to be devoted to each other. Now, here's the deal. There's no formula for be devoted. Phil and Jessica are on vacation the next two weeks. Does that mean they're not devoted to Crosspoint? Because they left for vacation? Well, of course not. There's probably nobody here more devoted over the course of however many years than Phil. So it doesn't mean 100% attendance. In fact, you can be 100% attendance and be fake about your devotion. There's no formula. We love formulas, right? If you do A plus B plus C, you're devoted. Nope. No formulas. And we love formulas. Because then we either know we're in or we're out. I can't do it. I can't be devoted. I can't be, I, we're out. We at least, if, if, if we're out, we, if we can't do the equation, at least we're like, I know I can't be I can't be that. I know. I'm out. So let me simply ask it this way. What's your next step in being devoted to each other? I performed a wedding last night, and I talk about inseparable togetherness. Inseparable togetherness. That despite our differences... We have inseparable togetherness. Why? Because we have chosen to be devoted to each other. Devotion is not an emotion. It's not a feeling. In fact, it's quite the opposite. When I don't feel to be devoted to you, I still will be. Right? 
to choice, decision. Inseparable togetherness. What is your next step in saying, I am, in, I am inseparably together with this group? Maybe it's to step up and serve. I'm not serving, I've stopped serving, or whatever. Look, you don't know inseparable togetherness until you go shoulder to shoulder with somebody and serve with them. Maybe it's to give. Maybe it's to say, I'm going to start giving. I'm going to, I'm going to view my finances as, as unholy and start giving. Maybe it's to join a small group and to find out more about a small group. Because we can't be inseparably together like this. It's fun, it's enjoyable, and it has its point, but you can't get close unless you're in a small group or one-on-one or two-on-one type of group. What is it? What's your next step to go? It's time to get more devoted. What's your next step in that? Because none of us are 100% devoted, right? We always have growth and progress to make. So what is that next step? So that we can see more happen together than uh, than we would see individually. Let's pray. Dear Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you that you've given us this church and the concept of church. And I just pray, Lord, that you will continue to grow us deeper together so that we can go on your mission. In your name we pray. Amen.